Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review Presents! This week we're presenting Dark Horse Comics, The Orville 2.5. Yay! And it's Donovan and Ken, and it's February 26th, 2023 is the recording date. Right. So this is uh, Orville Heroes, issues 1 and 2. Came out at the end of 2020. Right. And just to make it confusing, they call it issues 3 and 4... Because there's another two-parter, two-issue story that was also part of, quote, season 2.5. That is correct. Yeah. Launch day, one and two. So. There you go. Launch day. I forgot what the, what the name of the first two were. So, yes. So, Heroes, parts one and two. Yeah. And then after this, we'll only have two more miniseries after this, Digressions and Artifacts for Orville, and then, and then we'll be all done with Orville, too, unless they start publishing some more. Right. Which I really hope they do. I hope they do, too. But we still don't know for sure if they're even going to have uh, another season of the TV series. Well, we as talking you know, about Ken, it, but... I mean, not having a TV show doesn't preclude you from having a comic book. I agree with you. Star Trek has I, many instances I do agree of that. with you. Yeah. And I think they're still publishing Firefly comics and other And Battlestar things. Galactica, it lasted a lot longer than the TV show did, the yes. original one. Yeah, yes, Donovan. <laughs> yes. However, I'm looking forward to another season of the TV show. But, oh, I hope so. But comics, if all we get is comics, that's, you know, next best thing. Take what we get. Exactly. And I do kind of like this one. You know, there's no big space battles or anything. And it is very focused on Taylor. Right. Um, yeah, this one's kind of weird, to tell you the truth. I mean, it doesn't feel like an episode to me. It feels like a comic book. <laughs> not, <laughs> not an order. Well, it's episode. handy because it is. <laughs> well, we'll get into why here in a minute. Yeah. Well, they've had other episodes where they focused on one or two characters and they weren't necessarily doing the normal ship thing. Sure, sure. Uh, but this really is not focusing on the ship thing. Yep. I, I think it's kind of interesting that they chose to focus on uh, Taylor. I mean, it's great. So yeah. he came up with, uh, David A. Goodman came up with a uh, you know, pretty good story. I liked it. Yeah. So, well, shall we just jump into it and see see what we're talking about? See, yeah, let's do that. I'm doing the first issue, Dark Horse Comics, The Orville 2.5 Heroes, and the published date is November 2020. Creative team is writer David A. Goodman, art by David Cabeza, colors by Michael Atje, lettering by Richard Starkings, and comic crafts Jimmy Battencourt. You know, Jimmy. Wacky, dude. Editor, Dave Marshall. Assistant editor, Connor Knudsen. Designer is Brennan Thome. Digital art technician is Ann Gray. And the publisher is Mike Richardson. We got one cover, and it's focusing on, since the story is focusing on Taylor, Taylor's head and shoulders in uniform dominate the cover. 
Three weird and belligerent-looking rat guys are holding rifles on the bottom of the cover. And then above and behind Taylor is what appears to be a red-colored spaceship. And behind the ship is kind of what, I mean, to me, kind of looks a little bit like a Transformers logo. Maybe you know what that logo is, Donovan, but I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Story opens five years ago on the fourth planet circling a star designated as HR 5070. A general is about to hack up with a sword a young girl who is on her knees pleading. A masked figure with exposed abs and a sword appears on the roof of a building over the general. She is Zandia, the hero of Akudam. Talia tells the young girl named Akai, reading the story out of a book, that she must go. The disappointed girl's parents say Taylor already knows how that story ends. Taylor thanks the parents and the young girl for their hospitality and says she will try to visit them again someday. Later, Taylor is back aboard the Wilson, reporting to Captain Kodo and First Officer Weaver. She reports that though the natives are very similar to her people, the Zellians, in most ways, they do not exhibit the increased strength of her people. She mentions a theory that far in the past, her people might have been visited by off-worlders who seeded their race on other planets. She expresses her concerns if Dysonium mining operations were established there. It is such a beautiful place and Talia would hate to see it ruined. Five years later. Taylor is again speaking to her commanding officers on the bridge of the Union ship. This time, she is telling Ed and Kelly that she does not see how the Akudam could have developed the technology to create a quantum reactor in five short years. Ed and Kelly agree, but they say they have one now, so they need to be investigated. Ed organizes an away team of Taylor, Lamar, Dr. Finn, and himself to go down in a cloaked shuttle. As they approach the same small town Taylor visited five years ago, they see a large red spaceship parked next to a deep mining pit. They spot aliens near the ship who turn out to be Nazis, who are not part of the Union. Ed drops Taylor and Dr. Finn off to make contact with the family Taylor stayed with, while Lamar and he takes a closer look at the ship and the mining pit. Taylor and Dr. Finn arrive just in time to stand up to two Nazi who are harassing Akai, the small girl that was telling the story five years ago. She has grown up into a young woman, but she's currently being threatened by these two goons. Akai takes them to her house. Meanwhile, Lamar see Dysonium being wheelbarrowed into the Nazi ship by one of the locals. Slave labor. They're using slave labor. They are using the Okondum as slave labor to save on the cost of mining equipment. Prolonged contact with raw disonium is poisonous to most humanoids, which the Nazi obviously do not care about. In Akai's home, Dr. Finn starts examining Akai's father, who has disonium poisoning. They find out that the Nazi came a year ago and forced Akai's people into the mining pits. They said once they had their fill of the Dysonium, they would leave. Their leaders tried to stand up to the Nazi, but they were killed. 
Ed and Lamar are spotted by Illis, the mining foreman. Ed and Lamar retreat into the shuttle and turn on the cloak to evade their pursuers. Taylor and Dr. Finn go to leave, saying that they will return. On their way out, Akai gives Taylor the book about Zandi, saying she does not need it anymore since it's for kids. Back on the Orville, Ed is reporting to Union Command. Admiral Malone tells them there is nothing the Union can do about the Nazi since they are not in the Union and they have no diplomatic agreements or leverage with them. Admiral Malone says he needs Ed to get the Orville to the Rochelle outpost before sandstorm season hits. The Union does not need any new enemies right now. And he closes the channel. Taylor is incredulous that they would not lift a finger to help the Okondum. They talk about the possibility of confronting the Nazi about what they are doing. They may not even have permission from their government to doing what they're doing. Ed says even if they can get the Nazi to go now, they will just return after the Orville leaves. They can't always be the hero. Taylor disagrees, exclaiming, B.S. as she breaks the conference room desk with a mighty fist. Taylor gets an idea when reading the book about Zendia. She talks Ed into giving her some time off, and she's taking Dr. Finn and Lamar with her. Ed has mixed feelings about Taylor's obvious intent to take matters into her own hands, but he authorizes her vacation. Meanwhile, in the Okondum town, two Nazi soldiers are taking Akai's sick father out of his bed to return to the mines. Akai tries to stop him, but gets knocked off her feet by one of the soldiers. The soldier points his rifle at Akai, when suddenly, look up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's super hot Zandia in a skin-tight black Zorro outfit, accessorized with a cutlass sword on top of a roof, ready to strike at any oppressors that happen to be about. To be continued. So, Zorro. Zorro. Female Zorro. Super hot female Zorro. Yes. Yeah. Now, I really like that outfit. I like the red and the black look good together. Right. Was it that Zorro one with uh, Antonio Banderas? Yeah. That, that had kind of a, um, like a head covering like that? Yeah, it was a bandana type thing. That yeah, right. Went over the hair. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, a lot of the old serials had that too. Oh, did they? Yeah. Because when uh, when Doctor Robinson played Zorro in the Disney one, I thought he just had a regular like a hat. Oh, that's right. Uh, what's his name? Guy. Yeah. Guy, Guy Williams. You, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that show. That's pretty. Good. That, that show holds up, I think. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah, I watched it a few years back. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to get Disney Plus because I was like, oh, they're going to release oh. it. And then they didn't. So I had to find oh. it on YouTube. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but all the episodes were on YouTube. So I, Yo, I watched my so, share of it. That's so cool how you can see things like old shows like that on right. YouTube. That's awesome. Until whoever owns it figures it out and nixes and it. And stops them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate that. Yeah. But, anyways, yeah, I really like the Zorro vibe in this, these two issues. Yeah. It, it really seems out of place for an Orville story, but. Well, it is. And, you know, most of this stuff is happening on the planet, almost nothing in space. It's just about this little group of people, you know. It's not, yeah, a, li- a little colony 
like right. like a little settlement in California being oppressed by the Spaniards. Nah. The same thing. It's the same thing. Yes. It's, it's no. definitely a Zorro. It's reworking Zorro into an Orville context. Yeah. I completely agree. So just to talk about the cover real quick, mm-hmm. you mentioned that logo in the back behind the ship. Yes, show. yeah, what is yeah. that? That's, uh, that's, that's the... That's the logo on her chest. It's the um, oh, is it logo? Yeah, it's the shield she with has the three bars. Yeah, she has a logo on her chest. Well, yes. Oh, Zandia, is. Zandia. No, um, Talia. Well, okay, hold on. Uh, so you're saying that is the security officer's logo? Yep. Okay. Okay, because I know they've got like three or four for the different groups. Right. Yeah, that's the security one. Oh, okay. That's what that is. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did send you a picture um, which uh, of her from this comic with that logo on her chest. Okay, cool. It's also on the cover. I have two more comments that I didn't plan on talking about the logo, but mm-hmm. my two comments about the the cover is mm-hmm. the red ship. Does yeah. it look like it has like a chainsaw coming out of the top of it? Is that supposed to be like the bridge or something? I don't know. I didn't think of it as a as a chainsaw, but I kind of see how how you could maybe say that. Right. I just thought it was Do, funny in your in your synopsis you you called them rat people, and in my synopsis I keep calling them pig people. Pig people? Okay. Yeah, because they remind me of the Ugnots from uh, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> That's funny. But you yeah, call them rat people. Well, they got, they got long ears and stuff. Uh, oh, they remind me rat, of rat people. Rats aren't known for being jowly. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Are pigs known for having pointy ears? Uh, hell on yeah. Top? Tasty, tasty ears. Oh. <laughs> I guess instead of Ugnaughts, they kind of look more like um, Solistans, which was the... The co-pilot that Lando had when he was fighting. Oh, right. Yeah, that right. Yeah. yeah, the guy that... Uh, 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 yeah. yeah. The guy that has a little laugh. Nim Num, I believe his name was. Oh, my God. You know the guy's name. Okay. <laughs> Nim Num. Yeah. Nim Num. So, speaking of... Yes. Other franchises mm-hmm. uh, that we love, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about the two guest stars in this issue? <laughs> Uh, Cap- Captain Cotto and uh, First Officer. Yeah, call them by their real name. <laughs> Lieutenant Ellen Ripley. Yes. And Chief Engineer Parker from there Alien. Go. There you go. I know we've talked about this before. I'm not sure if we brought it up on the on the podcast or not. But apparently Seth is a big fan of Yafit Cotto and I guess Alien, the movie Alien. And he named uh, Blob Guy after you. Yeah, uh, yeah, Yafit. Yeah, so it's kind of kind of weird. So there, th- there you go. We've got some guests, um, guest casting here going. Right. So as we've mentioned in other issues, these Orville comics, they they do like to make liberal use of famous actors from other franchises in guest starring roles. And here we go. Yes. Yeah, I was really disappointed that they're really only used in that first uh, couple panels yeah. um never brought up i kept waiting for him to come back up like oh maybe there'll be an issue too and nope just those no. two panels yeah well they were just they just said they were just involved in the setup right it's right. like when william shatner was in the last one we did 
he was only in the beginning because it was a flashback. Hmm. I don't remember agreeing that that was William Shatner. Oh, come on. That's William Shatner. Modern, short, thick William Shatner. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so and I do like how they drew that. So how they transitioned from five years ago to current time frame where they have a, a shot of the old captain and first officer and then right beneath it in the same positions pretty much is Ed and Kelly. Right. So I really like that. That was a nice transition. Yeah, it's weird. Issue one of series 2.5, whatever you're calling it, but launch day number one also kind of started like that where a young Ed was uh, saying bye to his friend. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, with, and they with, had kind with, of with a the one haircut, like and then he had the, uh, then he had the his hair the way it is now. Is right, yeah. From, from one panel to the next, they jump. Yeah, more than five years that time. But. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how whenever they show a modern hero in the past, nine times out of ten, they've got the hair kind of instead of being combed back, they're cut. That's down and over the forehead. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what they did. That, that or else when you go evil. In the case of Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh. Tobey <laughs> Maguire's. Now, when you go evil, you have to grow a goatee. Spot well, okay, but Tobey Maguire's a, a great actor that didn't need to do that to go evil. Yeah. A lot of stuff in that scene didn't need to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best execution. Anyway, that picture... Uh, so uh, early on, there's a there's a page where it's you know from that Zandia book. It's on mm-hmm. page 18 of the uh, CBR, where it's uh, I, it, it shows Zandia fending off two guys with swords with her right hand, and then with her left hand. You know, when I first looked at it, it almost looked like she had cut a third guy's head open, and his blood was spattering against the back wall. But then I took a closer look, and it's she's actually throwing like a, a goblet of wine in his face or something. And right. boy, that goblet of wine must be really strong because it's really got that guy knocked back. Stinging his eyeballs. <laughs> oh no, red wine! Pinot Noir, <laughs> no! Not Pinot Noir. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, just really reminiscent of the original Zorro right. book. Uh, I forgot who wrote it. But but in that book, it's so ridiculous. I mean, because you got to admit, you got to acknowledge that it's kind of the template for mm-hmm. the secret identity. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's so like there's scenes where Don Diego's in the in the bar with the mm-hmm. the commandant, and then he's like, uh, "I'm going to step out for a second. and then suddenly Zorro's there, and he's like on the tables and stuff like that, just like in that scene. And mm-hmm. I remember reading it and going like, "How are they not putting this together?" Ah. <laughs> <laughs> John Diego just left. But, yes. uh, but it's like know, nobody it's recognizing secret. Superman and Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah, secret identities were new back then. Yeah. Well, at least he had the top, you know, his eyes are covered. I mean, he's got a sure. mask going. Right, right. But still, yes. And plus, um, I assume the novels were this way. He played an effeminate kind of guy when he was Don Diego, kind of a wimp, a little effete. So that also went towards helping. The secret identity. Yeah. I think they played it up a little bit more in the movies and stuff than what's in the book. Yeah. But yeah, those books are good. The, uh, ah, man, I can't remember who wrote them. Oh, well. Uh, I, have n- I have never read the books. Yeah. I, I have no exposure to them. They're good. I cool. mean, 
I, I like I like seeing where it kind of all started like that and the mm-hmm. Scarlet Pimpernel and stuff like that. Ah. You go really far back to when they were figuring out the superhero template. Right. It's good stuff. Well, the Scarlet... I didn't know much about Scarlet Pimpernel until I saw a Rowan Atkinson <laughs> in uh, Black Adder and they had some Scarlet Pimpernel takeoff or something. They were making... You know, some some episode involved a character that was like Scarlet Pimpernel, right? And uh, I really was not familiar before that. Uh, so, so that's in the UK, and he was some kind of crusader, uh, right? Yeah, he's basically okay. Zorro, uh, right? Uh, just in a different hemisphere, right? Exactly, or yeah, continent. Cool. Okay, I kind of like how the bad guys in this are basically one letter away from being Nazis. I thought that was funny. Yeah, what is their name? Uh, Na- they, Don? Uh, N-A-Z-H. Yeah. So they're literally one letter away from being N-A-Z-I. Yeah. And being Nazis. So They're bad dudes. They're not nice at all. They're not nice at all. And so they really... I mean, they, they, they killed the leaders, forced slavery of the natives, working with minerals that they know are going to be poisonous to them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these guys are, no, the, they're not very nice at all. No. Yeah. They remind me a lot of Ferengi. They completely remind me of Ferengi. Only, okay, maybe season one Ferengi. Yeah, the, the original Ferengi that exactly. were actually competent. <laughs> and With, evil, right. Yeah, yeah not, not comic relief. Stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Season one of Next Gen, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they also have the lobes, so that helps too. Uh huh. Yeah. Big ears. Yep. So, speaking of uh, lobes and Ferengi, uh, we got to see a, a Ferengi in the new Paramount Plus universe with yes. uh, Picard Season 3, Episode 2. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, did you like the redesign? I thought it was fine. I mean, I thought it was fine. And uh, I didn't... I watched a video that was talking about it, and apparently the actor who's playing the Ferengi is like a normal-sized guy. Mm-hmm. And he was in Star Trek. He was in something else for Star Trek. I, I forgot what he was from. But I, it just something seemed a little off about that that Ferengi. But, eh, yeah. So do, oh, So there's physically a really big difference? Well, the, he had smaller lobes. They were kind of closer to his head and... Uh, hmm. He didn't look. He didn't look like the the standard DS nine Ferengi. Yeah, but well, he still looked close enough that you knew who it was. Whereas, oh, you know how Discovery went so crazy with the Klingons. Oh yeah, that was that was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really didn't notice much of a difference at all. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, I I kept on being drawn to the cleft in the chin, and I guess that was something with the actor or something, but. That was the thing that was, uh, you know, most of the Frangies don't have facial features like that, but but he didn't last long, did he? Yeah, he didn't make it to the end. No. Spoiler. Um, it's always great seeing Ted Danson. Yeah, I love that he's in that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was kind of a, kind of a poop head here. Well, yeah, that's his role. He has to be the one that's like... Hot, yeah. 
yeah, these this is the rules. You need to follow them. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I need you to be on the other side of the galaxy taking care of that other thing that's minor. Right, right. And then, of course, later we find out he's evil. Or he turns out, he turns out to be a, a Star Trekian evil admiral. He's an extremist, yeah. Yes, he is. So Now, I don't know if he's Admiral Malone, but he'll be Admiral Malone to me. <laughs> Not Admiral Becker. Oh, is that what he was? Becker? No, that was his other show that he had for a long time. Oh, right, 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 right. We played a with, doctor. With Terry Farrell, right? Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what she left DS9 to go do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I only saw that like once or twice. Was that a good show? I really liked it yeah. back when it was on. Cool. It's, it was a good sitcom. Right. Ted Danson can do no wrong. Nah. <laughs> Damn liberal. Yeah. He's, he's good. I, I think he's a very good actor. I like when he pops up every once in a while in the Larry David's uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm as himself. Uh, I haven't watched too much of that. It's pretty good. Only, if you watch enough of it, it's like, oh my God, Larry, just lighten up. (laughs) All right, anything else for this issue? Just commenting how this is a very tale of focus story. So you don't see a lot. You don't see, I mean, was Isaac even in this one? Or if he was in it, I mean... He just said a few words. Yeah, I think he was sitting at the table when she broke it. That was about it. Okay. And then, you know, Bordis isn't doing much, and you never see Yafit, and uh, never see Dan. You got to have Dan. And then I uh, didn't see Clyden. Yeah, uh, no. It, and then next issue, we won't see anybody. Yeah. Uh, Gordon <laughs> had a few lines, but really, he didn't do much. Right. And I'm always surprised on how well the the, the, the cloak works in the Orville. Oh, works. yeah. I mean, it's always inconsistent, like in Star Trek, on right. how well it works. Right. You know, because like in Star Trek Four, it's parked in Central Park or not Central Park, but whatever mm-hmm. that that park is, and mm-hmm. nobody can see it. Yet, other times you or, can still see the silhouette and stuff when it's moving around. Yeah. But uh, this one seems to be more like the Star Trek Four one, which is just like, it's, it's invisible. It's good. It's a good yeah. cloak. So it's interesting what technology the Union has and doesn't have. No transporters, but they've got an awesome cloak. Right. Technology. And they don't so. even have to like make arrangements with the Romulans or anything. It's just that right. they have it. They got it. They got it, baby. And it was funny to see Ed runs into the shuttle as mm-hmm. it's cloaking and lifting off. And you can see that the the door hasn't quite shut yet, and the inside of the shuttle is also cloaked. So mm. I always it's thought like it was see-through. just the hole would be see-through, not the insides. But yeah. the inside walls are also see-through Yeah, from the inside. Right. Am I, am I, am I being clear? Nah. So that means... <laughs> <laughs> because it's clear, yes. Yeah, but it shouldn't be clear. The inside should be opaque. Otherwise, you would be able You'd to see an edge still Ed. in there. Yeah, <laughs> like or in, like, unless unless when he goes in there, Ed becomes invisible. Let's be consistent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like Wonder Woman's invisible jet in the old show. You could see her just sitting in it. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's the jet that's that's invisible, not her. <laughs> yeah, she would always look funny when she's like just sitting there flying. Oh yeah, it was so stupid. Yeah, but that show was awesome, aimed at kids. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything else? That's all I got for this one. All right. 
So uh, we'll move on to issue two. All the art staff and writing staff is exactly the same. This came out December 2020, uh, entitled Heroes Part 2 of 2. It only has one cover. And the cover shows the Zoro woman, which uh, I'm assuming is Talia. Is it Talia or Taylor? I think it's Taylor. Yeah, I think it is Taylor. Taylor from the last issue, dressed up as Zoro. She's holding a sword straight towards the reader. Behind her, we see the uh, pig-like alien, a couple people from the crew, and the Orville in the background. The story starts with Taylor jumping off of a roof towards the pig people, being shot at with phasers that are just bouncing off of her due to her bulletproof skin-tight outfit. She's able to slice through almost anything with a sword made from whole plating. So she goes out and she starts attacking the pig-like oppressors, and she's calling herself Zandia. Just like Zoro many, many years before her, she is inspiring these poor people on the planet. The little piggies regroup, uh, but they seem to be not as stupid as they look. They speculate that she is just an off-worlder from a higher gravity planet, which would account for her increased strength. Even after she goes on and destroys tanks, the leaders still refuse to leave since he says that if he leaves, uh, his superiors will just kill him and come back. Taylor will have to just kill him. And he tells her this, but she refuses to do so and leaves. The slavers remember that they saw a strange woman visit Akia and her family last issue. So they put one and one together and they assume that the masked crusader must be this stranger. They kill Akia's mother and father, and when Taylor arrives in costume to check on Akia, she is stunned and captured by the pig people. Taylor is tied up to a huge engine in the town square and unmasked. The leader says that he will kill her, and all of the people will need to get back to work back in the mines. Suddenly, Another Zandia arrives and slices the head off of the leader. She tells the rest of the pigs to get off the planet, which they gladly do so now. Later, Akia, who was the one dressed up as the second Zandia, tells Taylor that she can leave and that they don't need her help anymore. So being newly orphaned, this has allowed Akia to get her superhero origin and take her place as the real Mast Avenger of the planet. On the way back to the Orville, the Doctor tries to console Taylor to no avail. Taylor says that monsters always win, which is a quote from an old Earth novel called Game of Thrones that Ed had once let her read. The end. Oh, Game of Thrones? Yeah. <laughs> heard of it I, i've heard of it yes yeah it's, it's an oldie but a goodie okay i've read this twice and on my second reading i think the the violence of akai as zandia because she first shoves her sword through the foreman's chest <laughs> and then it comes out the front with all this purple or what hot pink whatever blood in it and another thing is those other rat people, you know, they don't seem that smart. But this foreman, he's smart. Yeah. He's quite smart. So, I mean, he was, he was the one that was, you know, who had Taylor's number on her costuming and stuff. Right. 
and and she knew how to take the this Akai was able to uh, you know take the head off a snake literally, and it's so bloody. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, the, the saber kind of sword through the chest and then chopping the head off and then holding the head aloft, you know, with the purple blood coming out the bottom and just saying, you get the heck off our planet or else this will be you. It's like, uh, that's so shocking. And this kid's only a teenager. Right. So, so Taylor feeling that she, because she was not able to take care of the situation, She's partially responsible for this kid turning into a monster. Right. And so the kid is a violent monster, just like the the rat people. So, and she's going to be that way probably forever. Right. So, she is ruined in a lot of ways. Definitely the Dark Avenger as opposed to... uh, Definitely. A more superheroic character. Yeah, more like Batfleck. More like the Punisher. The Punisher. There you go. Okay, yeah. fine. Fine. I thought the ending was really good. Um, yeah. The, 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 the violence was shocking, and the kid really got damaged, and Taylor's guilt, uh, you know, it all, it all made sense. No, it was good. Yeah. yeah, it definitely kind of put into perspective the whole, the whole idea of standing up for yourself, really. I mean... Yeah. It doesn't always go the way it does in the movies, you know. It's there's going to be collateral damage on both sides. Oh unfortunately. yeah, yeah. Freedom does have a price, and unfortunately, the price was her parents. Yeah, it's always nicer in in stories and TV shows and whatever where you're able to be smart about things and uh, you know pull Mission Impossible or something, and you know nobody gets really hurt. But uh, sometimes in the real world. Things get messy. Right. Hmm. Now, speaking of that last page, when the new Zandia shows up, yeah, I did like that, and and just browsing through it the first time, uh, yeah. not reading it, I didn't catch that this Zandia is different than the one from the cover and stuff. Because, you know, I wasn't uh, reading mean, the costume? What yeah, yeah, the costume, yeah. And, and just that it was a different character. Because yeah. when I saw the pig guy getting stabbed, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, man, Talia's really... Oh, oh, gotcha. gotcha. And then when I was reading it, I was like, oh, that's not her. You know, and then and then now that I once I knew that it wasn't her, I kind of looked more closely. And yeah, her costume's completely different. I mean, it doesn't explain where the costume came from. But no, it did kind of give me the vibe of like a Wonder Woman, Wonder Girl type look where mm-hmm. the one the, the younger character has, you know, more of the midriff showing than right. than than the original one. And right. it's definitely in the same scheme, but slightly different. Maybe, uh, I don't know, just gave us a, that younger, more naive look. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which, which is pretty impressive when you're talking about just a couple of panels and, and in those, in those panels, she's killing somebody, but well, it's still, she look, she looks like a little kid, which I thought was really good for the artwork. Unless, except when you look at her face. So, yeah, the costume is like that, and she's, you know, not as big as Talia. But look at her face. Even her face, I thought, had that childish look. You're kidding me. Yeah, no, I'm not When, when she's pulling that saber back to, yeah, to, to chop off the head, and yes. she's got her, her face, her teeth gritted like that, there's nothing childlike about that. She's a it, murderer. A child, a child murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I agree that, that it's a horrible thing, but... 
I think that the artist did a great job making her look young and not like an, uh, an adult woman doing it. Well, uh, okay, fine. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I'm just saying. But, you, you were talking about you have a masked character, yeah. and somehow you're still able to portray that that person is a kid. A kid going through the worst grief you can imagine, which yeah. is losing your family and then taking revenge on the people that did it. Yep. Uh, I just, man, I thought it was... a. It's not, and not only is it just like a super wow, that's violent, but it's also like, oh man, that's really, really sad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Total loss of innocence. Right. Yeah, yeah. She can't go back from this. No, no. And, and, and and at the end, when he, when she says, uh, you know, uh, Talia tries to, tries to apologize, Kai, I'm so sorry. And then all, all Akai can do is say, you can go home. We don't need you anymore. And Akai's pissed. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't like, hey, thanks. You showed us the way and we took things over. No, she's pissed. Right. Akai, if Talia would have done what she should have done and killed rat guy numero uno in the first place, her parents would probably still be alive. Or she just knows that all she's done is delayed it and that they're going to come back and kill everybody. Well, they don't even talk just, about that too just much, like but... the Just like the leader said what happened. Uh, how, what, Ed? Oh, yeah. No, the pig guy. He, he told her, Yeah, you kill me and they'll just send somebody else to do it. Yep. That's why I can't leave, because if I leave, they'll just kill me and come back again anyway. Yeah. So, and, and that's also probably part of the emotions that uh, Talia's going through. Absolutely. Because uh, she knows she, she wasn't able to fix this. So the kid's now, you know, a murderer and totally gone to the dark side. And the pig slash rat people are going to be coming back. Right. And there's nothing she can do about that. Because they're going to have to leave. Yep. Yep. Lots of things to think about. Yep. I like the Spider-Man reference. Spider-Man reference was good. Yep. It's very interesting the, the things they choose to use and not. Star Wars references in the show, uh, Spider-Man right. references here. So, yeah, which is funny. Why not? Why not just say Zorro instead of oh. bringing Spider-Man? Yeah. Well, maybe they didn't want to be too much on the nose. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, 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 well, of course, this is pretty far in the future. But it's obviously our Earth future, you know, so it's not right. like some other kind of things that have nothing to do with, with humans or Earth. But it's interesting that he knew to use the Spider-Man reference, but he either didn't know about it or didn't feel Zorro was quite as appropriate. Right. And it is funny how some things they know from our time mm-hmm. and some things they don't. Like uh, in last issue, he didn't know that the Muslims and Christians believed in the same God, but different ways. And <laughs> But here he knows who Spider-Man is. He didn't know about the Crusades last issue, and then here he, he knows who Spider-Man is. So it's just weird how some history is going to stand the, the test of time. Okay, so wasn't it Lamar? Uh, it might have it been flipped. That programmed? Yeah, and it was yeah, Gordon yeah, yeah. that didn't know? Yeah, anyways. Okay. I'm just saying, it's just sure. kind of funny. Sure. That uh, they they know pop culture, but not history. <laughs> Spider-Man is definitely pop culture. He is. Yes. 
Yeah, that's all I have to say. That's it? Oh, I guess one last thing might, and this is a minor thing, but um, when they got Taylor tied up with the ropes in the maw of the uh, rocket engine, and they're going to toast her, mm-hmm. they're just ropes. Yeah. I mean, isn't she super strong? I mean, she is. We've seen her, you know, take on all kinds of multiple things and just kick the, kick the booty out of things or opening up pickle jars mm-hmm. for Ed that are, like, huge. I mean, the, the, I think it was the, the younger previous one. Yeah, not, but not they, the, not they've talent. used that joke before. Yeah. They've they, used it with her, too. Okay. They did it with both. Well, whatever. Yeah. We've seen her do amazing things, and uh, I think she could probably snap a rope. Unless whatever they stunned her with... Uh... She's still Sap, recovering. Sapped her strength, and she. Can't. Oh, it's it sapped her superhuman strength. I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, she hasn't recouped yet. Yeah, it looked like they used tasers on her or something. Right. Electricity of some kind of. Yep. Shocker. She got zapped. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It did look just like ropes, and she should be able to walk away with that, no problem. Yeah. And, and then also, where did uh, where did she get the costume? Or okay, so I well, guess she can make the costume, but where'd she get the sword? Well, the, the second girl. Yeah, I, I, I got, I got to think she must have recovered Taylor's sword because okay, she would have. Maybe the big people didn't take it from her house. Left, left right. the sword. I mean, when she when she got shocked, she would have dropped it. Right. Yeah. yeah, shows are dropping it, and I guess they just didn't pick it up. Yeah, I guess. Mm. Okay. All right. I'll give you that one. Yeah, but but how she came up with the costume? I mean, maybe she was a cosplayer. Yeah. <laughs> She's. And it was her childhood hero. So who that's knows? true. That's true. Who knows? Yeah, they may have conventions there. You don't know. Maybe. But I did think it was very comic booky that her family had to die. She had to become an orphan in order to become yeah. a superhero. Yep. There you go. Batman. All right, and then yeah, Zandia. There's very few superheroes that have uh, parents. Biological parents. surviving parents. Yeah. Same thing with Disney characters. They usually only oh, have. Oh, Bambi. All right. My last comment is: aside from Lamar, the Doctor, and Talia, mm-hmm. um, no other crew is on here. So this may be the only story we've ever seen where there's no Ed and no Grayson in this issue. Right in this issue. Right. Yeah, they were taking care of things, and it's a good thing Taylor. Took them with her. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. Lamar. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, her up with, I uh, did not like the bulletproof leotard. Well, yeah. I mean, that's really thin material. Yeah, and how was it? She's getting shot in, like, the shoulder and stuff, and the bullets are still bouncing off. I'm well, she's like, got shoulder. All right. So if it would have been her an inch closer on the shoulder. And, or an inch lower, it would have gone through her, her flesh instead of the fabric? I guess. Eh, just, I don't know. Well, because it was bulletproof, at least she didn't have her midriff open. <laughs> but but, but I got to say, is, that's, well, no, it, well, you know, it, you, you got to show some cleavage. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think you should probably cover up both, if, especially if you have bulletproof yeah. fabric. Yeah. Uh, or laser proof, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Disruptor proof, whatever they're Disruptor. Using. They're disruptors. Uh, cool. Anyways, okay. that's it. Well, this was a, a lovely little departure away from Star Trek. A little yep. side trip for something, a little spice of something different. That's true. 
And we still have another week before we have two Star Trek co- uh, issues to cover. So next week we'll do another Star Trek comic book review presents. And what might that be, Donovan? Well, one of the very first franchises I wanted to do, because to me it's the closest to Star Trek, is Battlestar Galactica. Because it has the original series, mm-hmm. and it has the reboot series, and mm-hmm. it's very reminiscent to the format of Star Trek. Sure. That and Lost in Space, to me, are the, Lost the franchises space. that are kind of kind of followed the same suit as Star Trek did. Mm-hmm. Not as successful as Star Trek has, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and really, Battlestar Galactica Taz tried to be a Star Wars clone. That's true. Um... But there's a lot of things in Battlestar Galactica that I do agree uh, have a little similarities with Star Trek. Yeah, just the serialized format, being yeah. on a ship and, yep. you know, going from planet to planet. Exactly. It's very Encountering Star Trek-y. strange new worlds. Yeah, exactly. seeking out new life. And new civilizations, exactly. Yeah. At least in the original Battlestar, they did find other life where in uh, the reboot. It was just humans and Cylons. That was about it. Yeah. So anyways, because they do have two flavors of Battlestar Galactica, we're going to do... One each? A, yep. We're going to do one story in the reboot universe, which was a annual or one-shot that they did on Pegasus, which mm-hmm. is a prequel to the Pegasus uh, episode. I guess it was like a mini... It was like a made-for-TV movie, right? The Pegasus issue or story? Well, I think it was a... Was it that or a long episode or two-parter? I don't, uh, I, I, I don't recall exactly. I think it was a backdoor pilot for sure and it just didn't... Or no, no, no. They used the sets for the backdoor pilot for um, Lost in Space to make the Pegasus. That's it. Lost Never in mind. Space. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about it next week. Anyways, so Pegasus, okay. and then the other issue we'll do is called Little Battlestar Galactica, cool. which is a very cartoonized version of the classic series. Yes, they all look like little little kids or something. Yeah, it looks like Teen Titans Go or something like that in that style. I took a took a quick look. It's very uh, kitty, and you're loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I'm going to enjoy Pegasus, although I'll enjoy both. But something, just leafing through the Pegasus issues, something that really caught my eye was the fact that in the book, they've got at least a page or two where they're showing Battlestar Galactica Taws Cylons in the reboot universe. So I, I, I look forward to seeing exactly how that is. I mean, are, are they somehow having some callback to, I don't know. It, it, just, it just seems like a weird inconsistency. Although I do like the original Cylons. Now, I didn't watch Caprica, but aren't the original Cylons kind of in Caprica a little bit? Um, did they ever? I mean, the robots are big in Caprica. Because, because that's when the Cylons were first created. The whole, I mean, the, the main point of the sh- Caprica show was to kind of show the origin of the Cylons. Right. Um, and I think they're still kind of big. Like, mm-hmm. bigger than, than the human-sized Cylons. But I, you may be right. You, you, 
they they may have had their helmets might have looked something reminiscent of the uh, Taws. Yeah, uh, I know in Silent. Blood and Chrome, uh, the movie Blood yeah. and Chrome, which is about Adama when he was yep a young man. They're young, very young fighter. They're pilot. very Taws looking. Right, Silence, which yeah. which I love. Yeah. I, I have a hard time calling them Taz, though. Sorry. Nah. <laughs> the original series. Yeah, I get it, but and and they doesn't, re, doesn't sound right. Yeah, and they do refer to it as the original series. Yeah. In in some quarters, but yes. All right. Well, that'll be give us something to talk about next week. Indeed. Thanks everybody for joining us on the review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, stcomic. Second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.